Hello, Happy New Year, everybody. It's a new year, and that means new episodes of your favorite new podcast, Alec Mappa Hot Mess with Matthew Dempsey, Psychotherapist. I'm Alec Mappa. I'm an actor and comedian, and for a refreshing pick-me-up, I like to wash my privates with mint soap. (laughs) And I'm Matthew Dempsey. I'm a multicultural counselor, psychotherapist, and I will not be washing Alec's privates with minty soap. Have you ever washed your privates with mint soap? I don't think so. Oh, I, I, you I think are that's probably missing something out. You are missing out. It is refreshing. I could spend all day doing it. Just kind of. Uh, well, I, <clears throat> I would imagine that it would be similar <laughs> to the old, the old Altoid trick. No, I've never. What's the old Altoid trick? You stick an I Altoid feel like up you, No, no. Altoid, it's when you, you know, you have a couple Altoids in your mouth. Yeah. And then if you're with, you know, your partner uh-huh. and you're you know, doing certain things to pleasure your partner that yes. actually makes things feel very cool oh, and minty. Like and... what kind of things, Matthew? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I only heard about it. Well, listen, <laughs> if you don't have an Altoid and a friend, uh, a mint soap from Trader Joe's will do. Yes. Um, uh, today's topic, <laughs> I just had to talk about that just because today's topic is anxiety. Well, and, and how, uh, how perfect this conversation I, is making me a little anxious. It is. You know, <laughs> it's First of all, there's lots to be anxious about. Oh, my God. Yeah. Even in a more general sense, I would say everybody, regardless of kind of where you're at politically or anything else, everybody can relate to that. Mm-hmm. We don't know the state of the world and the country. Um, yeah. We don't know what's going to be happening with the global pandemic. Right. I mean, the list goes on and especially obviously all the kind of civil unrest with Black Lives Matter and the movement there. There's so many major significant things that are happening and nobody knows the outcome. Um, I went to therapy on Monday. I have Zoom therapy with my therapist. I miss seeing him in person. Yeah. Do you, I, miss seeing your, do you miss seeing your clients in person? Listen, I do miss seeing my clients in person because there's always that extra little kind of special thing that happens in real life. But I'm also mm-hmm. really grateful to have everything virtual right. and also to and also to be able to just have the freedom that, that comes with too. So right. it, it's a but, fair trade off for me. <laughs> I just, I see him, I, 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 we have a Zoom call every Monday and yeah. I just talk about all the things that I'm worried about, all the I don't knows. And yeah. this morning I'm working on a soap opera next week for a couple of days oh. and I had to get a, a, another COVID test. Yeah. So I was at Dodger Stadium and I was driving up and the sun was orange right. in the sky and I was like, and then I saw all the cars and everybody masked and I was like, this is dystopian. Yes, it is. This is, this is is. like, if you were, you know, got in a time machine and got to 2020 and you saw this, you would be like, oh no, No, what's going on? Yeah. And so that's the thing, right? It's kind of like, I mean, all of these things are really kind of anxiety producing and no matter what, I mean, to stress is a normal, healthy thing for us to experience. Mm -hmm. Um, What turns stress into anxiety is when we not only kind of don't know what's going to happen, but we're not really kind of familiar with like the emotional experience of things. But what for you has been kind of the most- What do you mean you're unfamiliar with the emotional experience of things? Okay, so what Explain in your multicultural therapist way. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. So uh, probably the best way that I kind of, or the simplest way that I try to explain it, if you're thinking about things like depression and anxiety, they're kind mm-hmm. of extreme versions of very healthy, normal, emotional processing. So, okay. you know, so it's like when we're sad and when we're feeling stressed, those are mm-hmm. normal, healthy things. But what happens a lot of times is when we're unsure of why we're feeling what we're feeling, or we think we shouldn't be feeling some of the things that we are feeling. Like oh. there's no, there's no real reason for me to feel sad. You know, everything is generally pretty good in my life. So, uh, so now I, now I feel sad and broken. And so that's what starts to flip it more into depression. I mean, aside okay. from other, aside from other things kind of, you but know, don't you think a little bit of existential, uh, blues is kind of, uh, typical, like every once well, in a while, everybody, sure, everybody has a little normal. bit of sadness that they carry around. Don't you yes, think? for sure. And, and of course, you know, it's not just kind of one note. I mean, there's varying degrees of sadness. Sometimes it can be really heavy. Mm-hmm. But when we think that we're broken and then mm-hmm. we start to feel hopeless, because yeah. if I think I'm sad and there's no real reason for it, now I feel hopeless. Like I'm never going to be able to come out of this because I'm oh, just, because I'm just yeah, because I'm broken. So it starts to turn it into depression. So on the other side of things, when we're feeling stressed, even when we're feeling very stressed, when we also don't fully understand why, like for me right now, during this time, I, I wish would... we were cuddling while we were having this conversation right now. I <laughs> wish we, I'm virtually cuddling I know, with you, I Alec, wish we virtually. were spoons and you yes. were just kind of whispering this into my ear. Would I be the big spoon? You would, you could be the big spoon or the little spoon. We could alternate. Come on. Okay. <laughs> anyway, but this, this whole year for me, I have realized that a lot of the a lot of the work that I'm doing, I think maybe I've mentioned this before. A lot of the work that I'm doing isn't so far off from the amount of work that I that I typically would do. Understood. And it's, but I also feel way more stressed and way more exhausted by it than I mm. ever have before. And if I wasn't aware of how much under the subconscious of all of it, like things are going on in right. very active ways, it's exhausting. But I didn't realize that, yes, this makes sense that I'm more exhausted now than I have been before. I would think like, what the fuck is wrong with me? I feel so exhausted. I feel broken. Like what is wrong? And that would turn my stress into anxiety. Uh, and so it. that's why we, that's why just having a healthy understanding of our emotional Yeah. Meanwhile, it's, and, it's, 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 we're in a pandemic and there's a civil war taking place in our country. And so it's bananas. Yes. Hey, all you true crime fans, this is Mike Ferguson. And this is Mike Morphe. And we'd like to invite you to listen to our podcast, Criminology. Launched in 2017, we've covered a variety of strange cases from murders to missing persons. Some of the cases are ones you may not have heard of. Other cases we cover are some of the most historic in true crime. There are 200 episodes of Criminology available to binge on right now. And new episodes come out every Saturday night. Subscribe to Criminology today, wherever you listen to your podcast. Listen, I can't think of a better time to bring on our guest. <laughs> no, that was such a great explanation of what anxiety is. And and that's why I'm on meds, because my anxiety <laughs> turned into depression, which turned into despair. And that's yeah. when my uh, psychiatrist said, that's not normal. That's not um, that's keeping you from living a, a fuller, healthier, happier life. Sure. That d- amount of despair that I was despairing over. Yeah, of course. Oh my God, I'm so excited to meet today's guest. Of course, I've heard so much about him from you, Alec. Jonathan Lipnicki is best known for his role as Renee Zellweger's cherubic little son in the film Jerry Maguire and the Stuart Little movies. Oh, you're so cute. He's even cuter now. Jonathan (laughs) is starring in the horror film Broil and in a comedy called Pooling to Paradise opposite Taryn Manning. Of course, his favorite role was co-star with me on World's Worst Cooks Celebrity Edition. 
Will you please welcome to the program our dear friend, Jonathan Lipnicki? Yay! Hey. Hey. How you guys Are you doing? anxious? Are you anxious oh to talk to us? Oh my god! I, I'm, I'm anxious about talking about being anxious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How meta? Meta anxiety. Yeah. Um, we we shared. I think we talked one time about having social anxiety because I have that. Yeah. Like I'm I'm fine at a party, but right before I go in, I have to take a deep breath mm-hmm. and yeah. kind of go. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I feel exactly the same way. Um, I wish. Honestly, I look at you, Alec, and, and, and I look at this person who just is so comfortable being the life of the party, being, mm-hmm. being themselves, that that's something that I've always admired about you, mm-hmm. where I, I definitely have, you know, uh, social anxiety when it comes to that. Uh, you know, and I, I, to a certain degree, like will hide behind my personality, which is my authentic personality, if you know me one-on-one, mm-hmm. and I can get that going but it takes it takes a second and it takes definitely a deep breath before i go in yeah mm. i'm a i'm an extroverted introvert is that right an <laughs> yeah. extroverted in, like I like, like I'm, I'm the same yeah yeah like my because we're both performers like my default position at home or just naturally is i'm i'm a naturally a shy person but in order to kind of do what I need to do, I kind of have to go okay here we go i have to take that breath and make the decision to kind of be on or, you know, it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think a lot of it for me, it's like growing up doing this, um, from a young age, the big, big lesson that I have to keep relearning is like, I'm an all right, dude. If people mm. don't like me, I don't need to be liked. I don't need to strive hard to be liked. You know, I, I just need to be myself and wanting to be liked and wanting to be accepted is, is a part of, you know, what we do, but also because that was instilled in, in me at a young age, mm. you know, get, having, having a certain success early on mm. it, and then having points where I didn't work, I think that definitely got stronger. And it's something that every year I go, I have an aha moment or a hundred of them where mm. I go, Oh yeah, that's right. Like I'm okay. Like I'm, I'm an okay person. I have good intentions. I never would want to hurt anyone's feelings. If somebody doesn't like me, maybe it's something to do with them and not me. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I would think so, especially from such an early age, like having the success that you did and everything. It's not, I mean, everybody, every human being at a baseline has a desire to want to connect, has a desire to want to be liked, right? Because it's just how we can kind of form tribes that make us feel safe in the world. But especially for something like you, like the experience that you had, I mean, oh my God, that's going to like throw that like on steroids because now there's so much more attention. There's so much more... Um, literal currency that's attached yeah. to your ability to be liked. So that can place just so much more pressure and of course can make anything that's just a normal stress up to anxiety. With you, Johnny. I mean, like like it you had as a child, I can't imagine what that was like to kind of have this reputation precede you. Like you couldn't enter a room as a stranger. There was an expectation put on you. Did you feel that as a kid? A hundred percent. I think that, you know, I, I grew up very quickly because of that having, you know, a, a schedule as a kid and having to, and you know what, and I'm great. And by the way, I want to first, first off say, I'm so grateful. I found out what I want to do for the rest of my life when I was younger and there's nothing I would change about it, but what comes with that. And, you know, um, anything you do in life, there, there's going to be struggle and there's going to be, you know, hardships or downsides. Uh, I definitely felt this pressure to be liked to, um, not mess up. Because from a young age, like I'm talking like 
nine or 10 years old. I remember I did a, a like a press junket uh, mm-hmm. for, I think it was Stuart Little One. And I started getting asked about if I was going to have a drug problem. <gasps> wow. At you nine? Know? Who asked that? Yeah. Like, like, you know, you do a lot of the press and I think a lot, a lot of stuff also is lost in translation when you do foreign press. But I remember getting that question of being like, they're expecting me to be a train wreck. Right. Uh, so now that's something that's haunted me through my twenties, I'm turning 30 in October. And it's something where I'm like every time. And it's something that I've had to manage. And then you, you mix in the actual chemical of, of alcohol. Like even when I drink, I felt been so hard on myself and felt I couldn't just get drunk with my friends and have a good time. Yeah. You know, even though like, obviously like I don't, I'm not in the height of my career. I'm the first one to say it right now. And that's fine. Cause I, I know I haven't peaked or gotten close to it, but I feel like I can't fuck up. Yeah. I'm sorry. Can we find this? Yeah. You can swear as much as you like. I feel like, yeah, I feel like I can't fuck up. You know, I Mm. feel like that's something that always, paralyzes me and has paralyzed me in the past. And it's something I've worked through a lot and I've gotten a lot better, but yeah. it was always fucking up because there have been so many people before me who have been train wrecks and people love to build. It's so sad, but I mean, I wish we lived in an environment in, 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 in a world where people wanted to build people up to build them up. They want yeah. to build mm-hmm. you up to, you know, tear you down. I remember like a great source of my anxiety was my parents' divorce was on TMZ. Mm-hmm. And um, they kind of um, maneuvered the writing to make it seem like I was charging my parents rent at the house they owned. But my parents bought the house mm-hmm. in 1986 and I was born in 1990. Yeah. So that's factually impossible. Mm-hmm. Right. And I started getting hate messages about how I'm a bad son. And like that really affected me and I didn't want to leave my house. Um, you know, stuff like that really takes such a toll on me. Yeah. And it's hard because like the dreams I have and the aspirations I have and the things I know I'm capable of, you know, because I work my ass off. Yeah. Are going to eventually bring more pressure and more stress. And it's finding that balance. And that's why, like, I've gotten into martial arts. I go to therapy, but it's, it's the fucking up my career thing and fucking up, fucking it up. Like once I get what I want, I fuck it up. Like that's my fear. And it's been in me since I was eight, nine years old. And, um, you know, a lot of that is, is outside pressure. And a lot of that is just me taking that outside pressure and then ruminating on it till the end of the day, you know, and, um, that's been, been a huge struggle for me. Can I say something for a second? Um, like uh, the pressure of when you're on a film set, you know, is everybody's waiting on you, right? You've got a crew of a hundred people and the camera's aimed at you and you have to show up and you have to hit your mark and you have to say your lines. Like I feel that pressure, uh, you know, when the things that I do and I have to take a breath and kind of have my shit together, I can't imagine that pressure being put on a kid. Yes. How did, uh, was there, was your parents close by going, listen, relax. Was there anybody who ever just said, um, this is, we're cool. Don't worry about yeah, this. Yeah, you know, or, yeah. I'm, I'm really, I'm really fortunate. I have really great parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, they love you, Alec. I told I them all about know, it. I know they're not about me. You know, my parents, the parents are, are, are divorced and they were separated when I was 10. Um, hmm. They are really supportive. 
And um, my mom more so because, and all fairness to my dad, if you ever see this, mm-hmm. my mom's more of the creative. My dad's an accountant. So, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, like uh, my mom was really great on set and was really hands-on and really made sure that I had the best balance I could possibly have. That's ma- That makes a yeah. difference. Whenever yeah, yeah. I work you know, with kids yeah. and they're a mess, I look at the parents and go, oh, okay. Like yeah. it, it never fails if there's like a, if there's a, a weird kid or a messed up kid on set who's kind of rude or whatever, the parents yeah. are, the parents aren't anywhere. Yeah. So. Thank God you, ha- I mean, thank God you had such great parents um, as you were going through that. But I kind of think it's like, no matter how ideal a situation like that can be, you're still so young at such an incredibly formidable time of your development and end of your life that no matter how much of a protective bubble you can have, you're still going to be influenced by all the noise around you anyway, right? And mm-hmm. that these expectations yeah. are put on you. So maybe it's not such a surprise then too, that for you, a big hurdle has been this kind of performance anxiety, this like need to please or kind of do for others. So what, what, because it also sounds like that you've been doing a lot of work to try to um, kind of bring it back home for you, kind of like, you know, uh, place more of a premium on what your expectations or hopes are for yourself as opposed to others. So what has been the most helpful thing for you in doing that? Uh, You know what? I I think that hitting a point last year, um, last year was the worst year of my life. Like, the pandemic is is really not a great thing to follow it <laughs> because I was like I was like starting to feel pretty good at the you yeah. know the beginning yeah. of 2020. But um, oh well, you know, I talked, wait, can we, I can, to we Ale- yeah. can we ask what was going on last year? Yeah, you know, um, there's parts of it I, I can't talk about, but um, okay. um, for 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 my own reasons, but sure, uh, yeah, of course, you know, um, just it, uh, when it rains, it pours. And it yeah. was one of those things where it was like this and that from all sorts of your Saturn angles. returns. <laughs> okay. No, they said right before you right, no, right before you turn 30, yeah, Saturn yeah. returns. Yeah. And there's 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 all these rocks in your orbit. And that's what it when during my Saturn returns, right before I turned 30, I had a massive breakup. My mother died and a, and a business manager stole all my money. So like yeah, right nice. before I turned 30, like it's like within six months. So nice. was your year was like that. Yeah, and a lot of that what you just said is, is is pretty relatable in the sense of what happened in my year, to be honest. Hmm. Um, I I had a breakup and then I had some other, you know, uh logistical career issues. And uh it was really like when I even told my friends they're like, whoa, you know, yeah. and it's one of those things where um I needed that because I needed a kick in the ass. You know, I think that I I've just wanted to be liked. I've just wanted to work. And I got to a place where I was working, but I was just doing things to do mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And that's not ever who I've been. I've worked, I got to a point where I, I realized I've worked way too hard at the actual craft of acting, doing theater, going to class to sell myself short. Yeah. And 2019 brought that for me because I hit a point where I realized, okay, I have a lot of, Friends, I'm sorry, I had to mm-hmm. drop my little Brussels mm-hmm. Griffins hanging out. Thank <laughs> you. He's snoring. He's snoring. But uh, <laughs> where's the other one? He's on the ground right now. He's not that I'm holding the Brussels best. Griffin, but you know. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it was. I needed it because not that I'd ever been an asshole or aloof or you know um, terrible in any kind of major sense, but I feel like what it did to me is it made me really realize how I can make my life smaller and not have so many peripheral friends who really don't care, who yeah. don't add to my life. Yep. You know, getting rid of a lot of the negative energy 
uh, from different people. And yeah, I, I developed this phrase during that year and I, I think it's pretty cool. And I stuck with it. I said that I'm never going to feel poor me. Mm-hmm. I'll allow myself to feel poorly, but I will never feel poor me. Yeah. I love that. You know, and I, I you know, and I, I wanted to be active in it. So I, I listened to a lot of like really positive podcasts. I, mm-hmm. I read, I read this book called, um, you are a badass by Jen Sincero. Oh, I love that. Oh, book. Nice. Yeah. And it really struck a chord yeah. with me and I got to the lowest point possible and I felt hopeless, but you know what? I looked in the mirror and I was crying. I was crying at this point. And I, I said, you know what? Not to be hard on myself. There's people having a lot worse out there. Doesn't mean that my stuff's not valid, mm-hmm. but I'm going to be all right. And in that week I, I booked uh, like a small part on a TV show. I hadn't gone on TV in a while. I had, um, you know, something else really happened well for me financially. And it released a lot of the stress. And I called my mom crying and saying it all got fixed in one day. And I, you know, I was so happy. I just cried. And after that moment, I realized that anything's possible in life. If you, if you do the work, like I've always worked hard. Mm-hmm. I, you can always work harder. I've always worked hard, but it was the mindset that needed to change. I yeah. needed to become grateful for what I didn't have yet, but what was coming and grateful for what I already have. Yeah. And it was, it, yeah. That's so that's important so because great. yeah, that is so great. I love that. And, and the thing that I love about it the most is that, you know, like you're saying, you can always work hard. And I think that we yeah. all have done been there and can work hard, but the important part of it is how can we work intentionally? Right. Yeah. How can we make sure that the things that we're doing are things that we're doing because we feel lit up by it, because we're inspired by it, because we care about it. And when that is the thing that leads any of our motivation and what we do, then the world starts to open up to us. But otherwise, if we're constantly just spinning our wheels because of what we think other people want or need from mm-hmm. us and we're yeah. pleasing everybody externally, then we are disempowering ourselves. We don't actually have anything that great to, to offer other than just some energy. And then it just kind of gets chaotic and we get exhausted. We get depleted. Yeah. It's exhausted. And it's, it's, it's the, you know, it's hearing you talk about like, you know, when you said, I'm so scared of fucking up, you know, that was the big anxiety. It's yeah. kind of like just that anxiety alone is so catastrophic. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's kind yeah. of like as if we have the power to destroy the world and everybody around us by fucking up, you know, it's, that's the pressure we put on ourselves. And it's so unrealistic, especially as a performer. Like I always said that um, Los Angeles is the only place where you can be genuinely depressed because you're not on a television series. Mm. Yeah, And it's yeah. kind of like, <laughs> that's not even a thing. You know, yeah. I mean, we all want to work. We all want to be gainfully employed, but it's kind of like, I remember one time having a reality check with myself going, you're, you're spending so much energy on this. There are people yeah. around the world who don't give a shit, who aren't yeah. on television, who are perfectly yeah, happy yeah, yeah. right Can now. I, yeah, I, yeah. Also, I also want to make a distinction, and I think it's an important one, is that um, when we're able to put things into context, and, and Jonathan, it sounds like actually that you were able to do this too, right? You were able to say like, okay, I'm grateful for like all that I have, right? I'm grateful for all this. but And, and I know that other people have it kind of far worse, but also I'm not going to invalidate what I'm feeling. Mm. That you were able to hold space for both things. You were able to put things in kind of a rational context, like, okay, things could be worse. I actually do have a lot. And also my feelings make sense. I'm allowed to be, you know, stressed out. I'm allowed Mm -hmm. to be sad. And when we do that, that's what keeps sadness from turning into depression. That's what keeps stress from turning into anxiety. So it helps manage it. 
you know, but I think a lot. And the reason why I want to say that is because I think a lot of people think like, oh, I shouldn't care what people think. I should do things for me. Fuck it. So then I shouldn't be feeling anything kind of quote unquote bad. And that's when we get fucked up because like those feelings are real. Yeah. I think that there's this whole societal thing about being like savage or like whatever they call (laughs) it, you know, or like, you know, you know, bad and not caring about what other people think. And I think that's destructive because I think that vulnerability is, is a strength. Yes. That, you know, yes. and I think that, like learning that and being honest with people, being like, Isn't he you hot, know? Matthew? Aren't you like <laughs> falling in love with him? Just, isn't he hot? I want a spoon with yes. Jonathan. <laughs> no You're vulnerability. We talk about that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it breaks my heart that you'd worry about being likable because you are like the, one of the most genuinely likable, sweet people I know. Like you were so sweet. Yeah. Well, Thank it feel, it feels it. it fills my heart how vulnerable you are about just being so incredibly human because that is everything that you talk about, I think is so relatable. And also all the stuff that most people don't want to talk about or admit and own because it's just, you know, vulnerable. It's you know, it's it's hard and it took a lot for that. It's so stupid and it's gonna sound cheesy, but I was pretty closed off for a long time. And then when I started taking like a Meisner class, an acting class when I was 18, it really opened me up. Mm. It really opened me up to being a better listener, being a better friend. Yeah. Cause that's all being, Meisner you know, is, is listening yeah. and reacting. And yeah. And it just, uh, I mean, I think that we just, if we, if we look around and we watch too many things about people that we, we idolize on, on Instagram or whatever, mm. you know, we get the wrong idea about what, what, what is strength and what, what is not strength. Yeah. You Mm -hmm. know, um, you know, it's, and it's, it's hard. It's a hard world to navigate right now. Harder probably than I'm not going to say than it's ever been, but probably, I mean, it could be, I mean, (laughs) it's a weird time, you know, it is a weird time because yeah. Yeah. I mean, our president is just kind of a prime example of somebody who thinks that vulnerability is weakness. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, he had an opportunity to say, we're in trouble. We need to do something about this. But it yeah. was more important to him. Reputation was more important to him. Yeah. And then admitting the truth of what was going on with this virus. Like, can yeah. I, can I yeah. say also, because I have kind of, listen, I... I think that Trump is, you know, garbage, you know, and he's doing Mm. such and he's doing such um, damage across everything. But there has there was a part of me that wondered, was there really any intention of wanting to try and um, keep people from panicking? Right. Because that's that's his story anyway. Right. Right. And it's kind of like it's hard to believe anything he says. But is there is there a flavor of truth to that? Was there any intention of trying to do that and giving him the benefit of the doubt that that actually was the intention? It's not effective anyway. It's not an effective strategy to try to keep things from people in order to kind of like keep the peace or keep calm. It's not effective. And we're giving nobody enough credit that they can handle, that they can handle difficult conversations. Also, I disagree that he didn't want to panic people because that's all he does. All of his, uh, (laughs) all of his rhetoric is fear-based. You You won't be safe. You won't be safe. You won't be safe. Yeah. But um, Jonathan, you have like, you you said you were working. You have um, movies coming out that we need to talk about. Yeah. I have a movie called Broil. Um, it was supposed to be in theaters, but it's yeah. 2020. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's a really cool movie. It's, um, it's about this, uh, family that, uh, is pretty unusual. They're, uh, they're a really, really rich family and they're somewhat mm-hmm. monstrous Uh-oh. and they, um, one of the, uh, one of the, the, the daughters of, of the, um, patriarch of the family, 
hires a killer for hire to poison him at a family dinner. And that Ooh. is me. I'm the, I'm the chef. Oh, wow. So, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So it's great. I went and I did the show with Alec and I, I learned a few, you know, a few things about cooking and then I, went and I, I played, I played, <laughs> then a, killer played chef. a killer chef. What well, was the best trick that you learned from Alec? Uh, you know what? Had a French Alec. a bone? Did I hear something about that? Yeah. Is that a part Alec, of it? Alec, <laughs> Alec taught me how to fit more inappropriate jokes in normal conversation than anybody else has in my life. He would say jokes because he that. knew it would get me. I mean, we were we were we were filming for like twelve hours, and he would look at me knowing that like I was just too mm. tired to defend myself against his <laughs> jokes. And he would say something and see if anyone caught it, and then just yeah, like look at me, <laughs> you, and I would be like, always ah. heard it. You yeah, always yeah. heard it. It's like everybody <laughs> I mean, else was preoccupied, but if something filthy was said on the set or if there was an opening for a dirty joke, like I was telling Matt right before the show, we, the first yeah. thing we learned was um, how to cook a steak. And he goes, first you have to French the bone. You got to French <laughs> the bone. It's really important you French the bone. And then I was, I looked over at you and you had the biggest grin on your face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Really, you were the oh only one God, God, were, hearing it the way I was ones. hearing it. Yeah, it was, it was a blast. That was really fun. Um, that you know, it's so funny that caused me, like, and I, I know you felt the same way. That was like really, uh, that, that caused me a lot of anxiety, like the, the <laughs> clock. And then, I mean, it was really fun. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but like, like the clock and the, and the, uh, you know, having to, to do all these things in time and the, the yes. they're over your shoulder. It was like, yeah. I was sweating. It's hot in there. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. <laughs> they would show us like the most impossible dish, like a, a squid ink paella, you know, something that they would serve yeah. in a five-star yeah. restaurant. <laughs> and then they would go, okay, we showed you how to make it, make it. And then you were on your own making <laughs> yeah. this outlandish dish. And <laughs> they would say, time's up. And then that's when I started drinking the tequila on the set. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Were you around for that? <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, there was also they showed actually a screenshot of it. So I, uh, I, I guess it's really technically a learning disability. Uh, it's called dysgraphia. You've heard mm. of it? And I've never Where heard of it. What's it's, that? It's, it's, it's basically really, really, really poor fine motor skills with writing. So when I took the SAT, I got tested by a doctor and they said my, my fine motor skills never really developed that well. <laughs> so I couldn't read my handwriting on any of those notes. And I just tried to pretend like I was, you know, writing in it, <laughs> but I just really was trying to memorize it. And they did a screenshot of my notes from on the, on the programming <laughs> and they're just like all over the place. And it went all over Twitter and people are like, do you know how to write? Like, what is wrong with you? You should have been and a doctor. Like, you could have written all yeah. the prescriptions that no one could read. Yeah. Like I write so big, I write so big too, that they would give us a booklet. It was supposed to last us the whole show. Yeah. And I went through it and I think one recipe. It was a really, it was a surreal experience. It was just, but it was so much fun because we laughed so hard and it was, summer in New York City. It was really, really fun to do. Um, you talked earlier about being in therapy um, has helped you. Is there um, is there a, a certain kind of therapy that you're you're following right now? Uh, you know, it, it, I just recently got back into, into mm -hmm. therapy. Weirdly enough, um, I didn't do any therapy when I was going through all that stuff. Oh, wow. um, my therapist had recently, now she moved back, but she was moved away from, from California. Mm -hmm. And um, I was going to look through for a new therapist. Then I got, you know, trapped in this whole whirlpool of, of, of madness that happened to me last year. 
And uh, I, I actually didn't do it during probably the time I needed it the most. Yeah. But I think also that kind of like battle tested me now where now I do have therapy and it's like, (laughs) everything seems a lot easier than last year. I mean, granted, like it's, you know, a weird time, Yeah. but I wouldn't have had, I would have been worse off this year if I didn't have last year. Right. Yeah. Um, it really, it really tested me, but, um, I, I go to, I go to my therapist now, uh, we'll zoom, uh, with my therapist and, uh, it's just, I mean, I don't know what do you, what do you call it? Is it a normal talking therapy? Like, yeah, talk therapy. So what do you, what's like the most useful thing or what's been the most helpful for you in your therapy so far anyway? Uh, just really talking to her about um, finding different tactics to use. Yeah. So like I, I use uh, a lot of times uh, I, I will go and I will listen to meditation music. Yeah. And just sit there. That helps me a lot. Um, there's this app Insight Timer I use a lot. Uh, that works for me. I also, um, separate from my separate, try to separate myself from it logically. Yeah. I go, okay, why am I worried about this? And then, cause a lot of the stuff that I worry about is stuff that hasn't happened or probably won't ever happen. Right. So I have to go, okay, I can sit and really just slow it down, you know, after listening to music and go, I can worry about this. But also like, there's a good chance this won't happen. I have a day where I don't have much to do. And I have my dogs and my girlfriend. Yeah. I can go on a walk with them. That helps a lot going on a walk with the dogs and the girlfriend and hanging out. Um, But I I just try to really step-by-step take it logically and go, okay, this might happen. You know, I mean, it's a very small chance. It's one in a billion that could happen. You know, my life could be over yada, yada, but it also could not. And also why am I worrying about something that hasn't happened yet? And I make yeah. a deal with myself and I go, mm-hmm. I will allow myself to worry about this when this happens one day. Yeah. This happens ever. Mm. Then I can worry about it. Then I'm allowed to stress about it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not allowed to borrow the stress. Well, exactly. Not borrow yeah. the stress and turn it into anxiety, right? Exactly. Because that's what happens is that when we get stressed out about things, we start to try to predict and anticipate and prepare and control for things that are well beyond our ability to do any of those exactly. things. And so control is a big part of that. And so Mm -hmm. that's what turns stress into anxiety. We're living in the future because we think it's going to be the thing that helps us prepare the best so we can be okay. But all it does is pull us out of the present moment and tells us, kind of reinforces this thinking for ourselves that the present moment isn't safe and we're not okay when we actually are. So it sounds like that your therapist um, and maybe just some things that you've been practicing organically has just been around like meditation and mindfulness practices and things like that where we don't you know, kind of project into the future. We also don't over-identify with our thinking. Over-identification. We don't over-identify with our thinking or our feelings. And we actually just get curious about it. Where is that thought coming from? Why am I telling myself this? What is this story that's here? And then we actually have a chance to rewrite that narrative. So I love it, that. My, my therapist, uh, we talk about uh, dialectical behavioral therapy and the mm-hmm. technique that you just, just described about like, you're checking the facts. Yeah. Let's check the facts. And so my therapist is always like, let's check the facts. Does everybody on this planet think you're fat? Every single person. <laughs> Does every single person on the planet, and there are billions to choose from, do they yeah. all think you're fat and untalented? Let's think about that for a second. I said, yeah. no, not all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. You know, it's, it's crazy because I'll look back at that stuff a few days later and I'll laugh at myself. I'm like, that's silly. But, you know, or things that made me me upset. But then I have to give myself also the validation of sometimes you're in certain 
little whirlpools of thought that that, yeah. that wouldn't have bugged you normally, but it did. But if I get in that whirlpool of rumination where I just mm. ruminate and ruminate and ruminate, then it goes to the point of like, then you're going down the line of being like, well, because I've been worrying about it so much, what if I now manifest it? Like, you're right. like, well, uh, if yeah. I manifest it, then it will happen. And you're like, oh my God. That's so yeah. true. It yeah, is yeah, a, yeah, it's a self-fulfilling true. prophecy. And yeah. a lot of times it happens so very subconsciously but it's easier to deal with the reality of things than constantly spinning in the fear that it's going to happen. And so that's kind of how that happens. So, yeah. yeah. Jonathan. And then I also look at the past, you know, um, the other thing she uses is she goes, uh, okay, so you've been in here, you know, a, a million times. You've had a million different worries. How many of them have happened? Yeah. And I'll be like. Right. Right. Like, it exactly. sounds, it yeah. sounds as if, you know, last year's troubles led you to an epiphany. That yeah. was really valuable and life-changing for you. And I think it's important to kind of note that that's what times those bad times sometimes are for exactly. to lead us to that epiphany, to like get to the point where it's like, as a person, I'm likable. I'm good. I deserve yeah. good things in my life. I deserve to hold myself to a higher standard as an artist. I mean, it sounds like all those things are going for you. I can't wait to talk about you. Uh, I'll talk about all this in person. I want people to buy your mm -hmm. stuff because I've seen your merch on the Instagram and I want a, a Lip Nikki t-shirt, which is available, <laughs> a, a, a sweatshirt on, um, you have a merch. Uh, yes, lipnickyshop.com. It's right. lit, lit Nikki. So Lit Nikki is an uh, adjective uh, that became a joke with like my friends and family. It's when I get really, like I drink a lot of coffee. Uh, I get really, I get really excited or, you know, like maybe like I've had a few drinks at, uh, Rosh Hashanah and you know, I, get a, I get a little, I get a little too excited about like a little litty kitty. What, what I turned Lit Nikki into is it's kind of an adjective for being excited about what you're doing, excited about what you're achieving and kind of like a positive affirmation. And I turned yes. it into a bunch of different fun throwback type t-shirts and sweatshirts. So it's called Lit Nikki, but it's lipnickyshop.com and, uh, Support it, tag me, and they're uh, so cute. I love sweatshirts. I want a, I want a hoodie. Um, <laughs> so where can people find you on your socials, Jonathan, Jonathan Lipnicki? Jonathan, yeah, Jonathan Lipnicki on Instagram. That's what I'm on the most because Twitter is negative as <laughs> hell, uh -huh. and so I'm not on Twitter very often. But that's J Lipnicki on Twitter, and then I have a fan Facebook that I don't really go on much. That's just Jonathan Lipnicki. <laughs> I deleted my personal Facebook and that's the greatest thing I've done in 2020 to relieve anxiety. Yeah. Oh, and you and my nice. husband. Yeah. My husband got yeah. rid of all of his social media. He's not yeah. on any of it. And he's like, I am living life at its best. Yeah. Even just deleting just the personal one where I see people arguing about nonsense. It did a lot. So if you're thinking about deleting your Facebook or deleting something that's giving you anxiety that you spend too much time on, do it. Trust yeah. me, if people need to find you, they'll find you. Yeah. Do it. We usually Great ask event. our guests uh, to finalize their uh, their talk with a, a hot message for the day. So do you have a hot message for like somebody who was going through what you went through last year? Uh, yeah, I would say that sometimes, you know, for me, it took hitting because I almost went in the opposite order of what you're saying. I hit depression before I hit enlightenment. And I think the important thing to do is to be proactive in your own happiness. I think that mm. people often expect happiness to come to them. Why am I sad? Why am I sitting in this despair? Don't feel poor me. Feel You can feel poorly, validate it, and then find a plan to move on from it by being proactive and finding your own happiness, whether that's physical, mental, both. That's you know wow. what I recommend. You're I so hot. That. 
You're so hot. Thank, you're just, thank you. You're, you're just so cute. I don't cute. think that, but uh, No, everybody, it, yeah. oh my God, at the party, everybody was like, he looks amazing. And I was like, I Stop know. It. Stop it. You're adorable. I miss you. you. Let's see I each other after too. the plague is over. We will do it. <laughs> All right. Love you, Jonathan. Love you. Bye, Jonathan. Bye. Isn't he delightful? Oh my God, that was so great. Isn't he delightful? Yes. I mean, he's just like so open and and just, oh, wow. He's, I love it. He's very, I want to I mean, be more like him today. <laughs> I know, me I too. Wanna, I, he's, I love it. He's, you can tell that there's such an intention behind um, what he's thinking, how he's moving through his life. He is very proactive in the approach mm-hmm. that he's taking to everything. And I love that. I, that was like yeah. one of the best me- hot messages that we've had, I think. That was great. Yeah. It was, I like, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, I, I heard so much of what I needed to hear today. Yeah. So exactly. what's your, what's your hot message for the day, daddy? Well, <laughs> okay, child. Um, I, I mean, honestly, I would probably piggyback off of what Jonathan mm-hmm. was saying. Mm. And to, <laughs> and to just say, just to say that everybody is going to be going through shit in life. Yeah. It's how we conceive of it. It's how we frame these experiences in our life that really matter because either we're going to be a victim of our lives or right. we're going to be a student of our lives. And if we can see things, all of the things, no matter what, even the really shitty times, even a 2020 as happening for us in some way that it's actually giving us an opportunity somehow to see ourselves in new ways to grow all of that. Then we can feel more motivated and less despair. Happening so that would be for my us and not to us that exactly. you are less victimized. And my hot message yes. is if you're feeling overwhelmed, take a shower with some mm. mint soap. <laughs> You'll feel so much better. Where can we find you on your socials, Matthew Dempsey, psychotherapist? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at MJ Dempsey Psych and on Facebook at Matthew J. Dempsey Psychotherapy. And you can find us both at The Hot Mess Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Don't mm-hmm. forget to download and subscribe. You can mm-hmm. find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Alec Mappa. Um, we're so grateful that you chose to spend the hour with us. We thank you, thank you, thank you. Come back next week and we'll have more hot mess fun this podcast has been produced by stage 29 productions for entertainment purposes only the contents of this podcast does not constitute medical or professional advice do not reflect the opinions of this company any of its parent companies affiliates subsidiaries promotional sponsors or advertising agencies the views expressed by the hosts and guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent For more information, please go to stage29.tv.